far from Grenoble and forever that motherfucker listening in France. <laughs> like, this one's for you. <laughs> Yo, I'm done. I'm good, brother. I am ready to load up the spaceship with the rocket fuel with all the news is going on today in WWE. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. We're about to drop some starship pain on everybody's Ooh. brain right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. What's going on? I love that. Love that. Starship pain. But yeah, man, like it's 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 been a crazy day in wrestling, specifically WWE with all the news going on. I know everybody's losing their mind. So it's it's crazy times right now. They're still happening as we speak, and mm-hmm. we know things could be updated by the night's end. But yeah, it has been a crazy day, crazy week, crazy weekend that we just came off of as well. Too, we gotta look at what happened with the XFL and Vince McMahon and how he claimed bankruptcy for the XFL. And we we're finding out now that you know there were stocks from World Wrestling Entertainment that were in conjunction with the XFL. So this is um kind of crazy because back in February there was a press conference um stating that if there was any involvement from world wrestling entertainment whatsoever with the xfl and of course vince said they're two separate entities that there's Mm -hmm. no collaboration whatsoever there's no double dipping happening and we come to find out boom there actually happens yeah man (laughs) now we're looking at jobs lost in the in the in the wake of this as well too yeah you know not only are the xfl players which kind of sucks for me because i was actually enjoying the league i i saw it becoming a success. So it kind of sucks for them because, you know, they're out of jobs. Some of them are getting signed to the NFL, but, you know, those that won't get signed, it kind of sucks for them because this was like their first, second, third, maybe last shot, yep. you know, and now it's to see it affect wrestlers on the main roster is kind of like, oh, wow, everybody's suffering from, you know, this pandemic and what's going on with the NFL as well. And, you know, it, it's crazy as well, too, when you look at this, uh, how everything trickled down from the XFL and how this failure that happened from uh, Vince McMahon, it, it really wasn't a failure from him. It's, you know, a failure because of, you know, what's happening in the world today. But this yeah. contingency plan that happened afterwards and how, you know, all uh, these, like you said, these professional um, football players are owed mm-hmm. all this money now. Um, yeah. Plus all the shareholders that were involved with the XFL as well, too, are owed all this money. Um, 
trickles down to now the WWE where we're seeing cuts and layoffs happen or furloughs are actually happening as well too from not only main roster uh, personnel but NXT yeah. and NXT UK as well so I find this mm-hmm. unprecedented I don't know about you no it is it is and <clears throat> just to touch the, the XFL real quick I kind of noticed he was going to something was coming about when it was kind of like one and done where, you know, at first they went from, okay, we're shutting it down because of what's going on. So then we released everybody, staff and players. So that's when it started getting a little bit suspect, like, wait, what's going on? And then that's when we find out about the stocks and it's just, you know, the cookie started crumbling everywhere and it, it kind of fucking sucks, man. Cause now, um, just as a fan to, to anybody could disagree with this, you can disagree with it. The product is not the best. And with all this now it's, gonna suffer a lot you get what i'm saying not 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 to shy away from these people got kids you know food to put on plates clothes on backs and stuff like that but it's gonna impact the product really 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 bad in my opinion i don't know how do you feel about it no, yeah, definitely. I feel like this is going to shake up things, um, whether good or bad. Um, it does create opportunity for some players that are still in uh, the WWE, but also, you know, you're looking at key people that, you know, what could have been or what could have happened with them if mm-hmm. they had the right push or just the right determination to get to the top or at least have a good program. But yeah. you saw this from all executives happening, you know, um, and we'll go down the list as well, too, of, of who got let go and whatnot. But, you know, this also comes from the wake of Vince McMahon having a meeting with the governor of Florida stating that the WWE is an essential business and that they can use the Performance Center as a closed studio to still keep on WWE programs. So I found that I, that's just crazy. Bad. Yeah, that's just God complex, bro. I'm sorry. Like, because, you know, with all this stuff going on, Florida, we know, has been running rampant. Debauchery is like the new Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, so, and then, and then when we heard from that, you know, Georgia AEW is going to take the 30 month, the 30 day hiatus and blah, blah, blah. Then McMahon was saying, oh, well, I'm going to use the undisclosed location. And, you know, now for him to say that's essential and stuff like that, it's, it just goes around along with his God complex. And you look at this as well, too, like uh, how crazy it is, how they're built to be essential um, programming or essential employees, essentially, right there, not to use that word twice, but how they're like non-essential at this point. You know, all these let goes that happen, more than at least about 50 uh, employees out of the WWE have been let go and the the names keep on dropping. Um, I I find this interesting as well, too. Maybe you could um, give me your thoughts on it. Not only has the press, you know, went out of the way to talk about what's happening in Florida and how the WWE um, is an essential product at the moment in time, but this also opens the doors to any, I want to say, entertainment company Mm -hmm. that as long as it's behind closed doors, they could still run a show there. So does that open the eyes of a person like Dana White running a show in Florida now? Yeah, it does. It does. Because it'll, you know, kind of say like, hey, as long as you don't open your doors, you can do basically whatever the the heck you want out here. You get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like being safe, but we're not really going to play safe. You get what I'm saying? So it opens up his eyes because we know he's over there trying to do Mortal Kombat on a fucking fantasy island. So like, but it definitely opened up, open up eyes for people like uh, Dana White, things of that nature. So I don't know. What what are you on it? I, you know, it bothers me a little bit. You know, we looked at uh, what's happened in the landscape of professional wrestling in the last, mm-hmm. I want to say, three weeks. You want to say that? Yeah. Um, and you're having, you know, clientele, wrestlers, performers, however you want to put them as independent contractors, getting flown from town to town, place to place, from their home. When they're being told, you know, stay put, relax, you know, try to not socialize, 
they're being flown to go to a closed set in Florida to essentially, you know, still roll around with each other, sweating on each other, cutting each other, you know, <laughs> going crazy with each other. You know, yeah. how how is that like? How how how's, are you how's as a face? person? Yeah. Exactly. How how are you feeling as a person? And then five days later, like from your live Raw or from your live SmackDown taping that happened, um, you're 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 finding out that you're let go essentially. So how essentially how essential do that's, you feel that's, at that point? You don't you don't feel essential whatsoever. This this just shows what kind of I won't use the word, but I'm just gonna say piece of crap. Because I don't want to get real explicit because you know me, how I feel towards McMahon. But this just shows... Nah, go for it. This just shows how much of a piece of shit McMahon is and how much he cares for his talent. He doesn't care one fucking ounce. As long as you're out there busting your ass, bringing me fucking money, that's all I care about. That's all he cares about. And we saw this you know, in the Brawl for All, and which we'll discuss you know, briefly. But with the Brawl for All, with the Vice, the, the, the Benoit... All, all his past and everything with the snooker that you just told me about, it just shows he just... He, He's a fucking megalomaniac that just cares about his pockets and doesn't care about the talent, bro. Especially with what's going on right now with what happened with, you know, Roman, uh, God forbid, with the Usos and everything like that. You're putting everybody at risk. And then we just find out, you know, Carmella, uh, Corey Graves, a few people had uh, tested positive. You just don't care about your talent, bro. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, how do you feel about that? Am I wrong? Like, no, you're not wrong whatsoever. You know, a lot of things have been, a lot of skeletons have been opening up yeah. in the closet of this man. And whether it's uh, the documentary series on Vice, um, when you're looking at Dark Side of the Ring, you look at the Benoit uh, series, and you can feel your way about this man that side right there, how he wants to separate himself from the Benoit family. Okay. But then you go to the episodes like Brawl for All, where, you know, not only people are getting concussions, not only people are, are hurting each other for real in a work yeah. sport, and McMahon's just, whatever do what you gotta do to get over and um ending careers like you know darren drosdell or you're looking at dr dusty williams or whatnot like it's it's incredible and then the thing that pissed me off was you just really don't care about your talent because then you set up your talent for failure bart gunn which emerged the dark horse out of the whole tournament you get fucking butterbean to knock his fucking head off you could have you could have killed the man there you get what I'm saying? Because we, we, we just to prove him wrong. Yeah, just to prove him wrong. Just to knock him down a few notches. Like, hey, I'm fucking McMahon. I'm God around here. You're not shit. That's all it was, bro. Like, and he could have seriously injured Bart Gunn because we saw that head spin around, bro. So he, he just doesn't care about talent, man. So a lot of the talent that um that made it to the list so far, and there's names that are gonna be probably missed though by the end of the day. Yeah. But we're looking at people uh, such as Rusev, we're looking at Diabrazo, we're looking at Drake Maverick, Kurt mm-hmm. Angle. Aiden English, EC3, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Leo Rush, Eric Young, Kurt yeah. Hawkins, Heath Slater, Lance Storm, um, who was a backstage agent of WWE, uh, Shane yeah. Helms as well too, Mike Rotunda, Fit Finley, Pat Buck, Billy Kidman, Scott Armstrong, Sean Devari, uh, Sarah Stock. Sarah Stock was yeah. one of the head writers, I believe, for WWE as well, too. And she yeah. was the one that actually did the Otis and Mandy storyline as well, too. One okay. of the best things they have for SmackDown. Yeah, exactly. And, and you let her go. Exactly. Like, that's just stupid as hell, man. I know um, uh, Sarah Logan's in there as well. Looking at the list right Sarah now. Sarah Logan yeah. just jobbed out to, you know, Shayna Baszler on Monday. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. part of this. Um, Scott Armstrong, referee Scott Armstrong. Um, another referee that everybody is kind of buzzing about is Mike Kyoto. That one kind of hurt me right there. Yeah, Mike, Mike Kyoto is just, it's like symbiotic. You see, kind, kind of like what Earl Hebner was back in like the 80s, 90s, and everything. You know, Mike Kyoto became that 
Earl Hebner and it was symbiotic and now just not to see him anymore, it's kind of going to be weird. So um, that one, yeah, I feel you on that one. That one definitely did bug me. Um, uh, let's see here. No Way Jose, Zach Ryer, uh, Maria and, and Mike Nellis, mm-hmm. Primo Epico, Epico. and then one that's really weird because he was getting sort of a push the last exactly. year and a half. <laughs> fucking um, Eric Rowan. Like, what Bro. the hell happened there? Yeah, that one that one's just really left field because, like you said, he was just getting a push. We saw the whole cage spider or whatever the fuck it was. Um, and for him just to get released like that, it's like, okay, so but that just obviously shows that that was his last ride. Maybe they had nothing else for him. You get what I'm saying? So um, but as t- as talent that got released, I'm gonna just ask you because you saw me go off on fence. How would you feel right now? Like if your name is on the list, especially with what the fuck all that's going on right now in the world. And like you said, that you put your ass on the line knowing that you shouldn't have been there. Like, how would you feel right now? It all depends. Like, I know there's some people on this list right here that have been I'm on the happy. sidelines for a hot minute. Yeah, I'm more happy. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'll ask you which are the ones that are happy. But, you know, how would you feel right now? Just just put oh, yourself yeah. in the shoes real quick. If I was a person like uh, Luke Gallows or Carl, Carl Anderson, who, who basically did main event of uh, WrestleMania night one, right? Yeah. Um, they got to be on a close set with The Undertaker and about 10 other people and whatnot. So essentially, they're risking their lives mm-hmm. to to put on a great main event along with AJ Styles. Yep. Uh, to just find out that, hey, now, now I'm being let go like a week later, I would feel furious right now. I just saved your main event. I just saved your company from getting a backlash. I had the most positive um, match, essentially, or exactly. segment of WrestleMania, and now you let me go? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, exactly. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. So now on the flip side, like you said, a lot of these have been sidelined. We know... a f- uh, with the exception of probably Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, we know they may go back to Japan. You know, that's just a speculation. You know, you thought that that could be left field. Out of here, um, who is this really a blessing for? Because, you know, we have EC3, we have uh, Leo Rush, we have uh, who else there? Can I th- Rusev. Who, who do you see get this being a blessing for? Like, for the names that got released? For the names that got released, I definitely see some upside for Rusev. And as much as, you know, he's been portrayed as, like, the Bulgarian brute a lot of times on WWE, um, I think his charismatic side has shown over the last five years. It has. And if you give him the right company, like, I, I don't see him gigantic in the AEW. Let's make this clear, everybody, too, that's listening. AEW is not going to be handing out contracts to everybody oh, that's fucking on this list right here. Um you know, a lot of these wrestlers will be lucky to even, you know, get other contracts for other companies due to the climate right now in, in wrestling in the world right now. Um, and honestly, when you look at the, the list right here, Rusev, to my understanding, I see a lot of upside. And this is just me. This is just me. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of upside for a person like um Sarah Logan, because I love her in Indies as a crazy Mary Dobson. She's just fantastic. I see a lot of upside for a person like Zack Ryder, even though he's um, up there right now. I think he still has a lot of name value that he can make himself known in, in all, maybe a smaller, maybe like Impact Wrestling or even an MLW. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe an Impact Wrestling, MLW. It's going to be a little crazy stretch, but even maybe an NWA would do him good. You know, I think an NWA would do him good, but he don't got to worry about it. I'll nothing. tell you, he got right. Chelsea Green, <laughs> Bacon. 
Straight up, I see Rusev being a monster in NWA if, if he were to go there. You know what? That's what I was going to tell you. I was going to ask your views and opinions on that because, to me, I, I don't really see Rusev anywhere else fitting in perfect besides the NWA. Like, I could see him AEW, but like you said, they're not going to be handing out crazy contracts. And maybe there are a few players on that list that they may want to dip with, you know, maybe, like, make a run for the Revival. Um, maybe Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, but... I see him more fitting in perfectly in the NWA. What do you think? I definitely think that his 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 stature, his size, his built, his wrestling style fits more for yeah. it fits definitely for the NWA power. But I could definitely see him going to New Japan Wrestling as well too, or just any Japan wrestling organization out there. I think he he has that look that Japan likes. They like people like Jeff Cobb or um uh, Michael Elgin and whatnot, just that that top heavy big brute kind of guy yeah. to belly to belly people. Yeah. They love those guys right there. Rusev would be great. I'll tell you this: out of all these people here, who I'm more interested in seeing who goes where, the backstage crew, the people yeah. like the, the the agents and the coaches and whatnot. A person like Fit Finley would do fantastic as a road agent for AEW. I think that's a grab right there. Just take him. You know, he was running the women's division in WWE. Why not directly help him? Um, in AEW. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. He would spice up the women division in AEW. Not trying to throw shade at it, but, you know, it hasn't been the best compared to WWE, but it's getting there. It's getting there, in my opinion, from what I've seen last week. Um, I think he would be great in AEW. Even a person like uh, Shane Helms, because he has that connection with Matt Hardy, I think he would do good in AEW as well backstage. Uh, Maybe a Billy Kidman. Call me weird, but I can see because I think it's that WCW comparison with AEW. I think Billy Kidman would fit in there backstage as well, uh, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, people like Lance Storm as well, too. Not to say that these people need to go anywhere. Like, uh, personally, I think that these people should be sitting their ass home and taking that much needed vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, Well-deserved as well, too. Like, uh, at this point in time, like, I find it crazy how the WWE has, like, forced their hand to try to get live content on for the USA Network or Fox, and what they're blaming is that uh, USA and Fox have contracts stating that there is only a certain amount of taped shows they could do. I'm pretty sure that fucking executives from Fox or USA would be like, you know... Due to the fucking current pen- pandemic that's happening right now, we can make an exception for certain tape shows. It's not going to go crazy. I just think it's a god complex. It is. It definitely is a thousand percent a god complex for what he has going on. And I feel that with this pandemic, with the XFL, what's going on with the stocks, I feel like McMahon is just spiraling out of control because, you know, he likes to be in control of everything. So with everything that's going on right now, I feel like he's pushing for those live shows. Like, I need him. I need him. You know what I'm saying? To feel like I'm in control of something. It's, it's a thousand percent God complex, bro. What? Out of all these um, releases that yeah. happened, what was the one that took you by surprise the most? Oh, actually, uh, I would say Leo Rush, but then we always knew Leo Rush had a little bit of heat, but especially with the Cruiserweight um, tournament going on, I think he would probably, I thought he would have been safe. Um, let me see who else. Uh, the Rusev, like I told you earlier when we were texting, I was always not on our page on Facebook. Um, I was always 50 50 with Rusev, but he is a great talent. So that one kind of, I was like, wow, that one's going to sting the most for you guys if it's real. Um, uh, and that, and then that's those, those are the ones that really stuck out because um, Rusev, uh, which one what was the other one? The Leo Rush, I said EC3, EC3. That one kind of sucked a little bit because he came in with such high expectations in NXT. And then when he got to the main roster, 
you know, he just disappeared. And I feel that EC3 is still a big time player in any organization that he goes to. That's just me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So those kind of stunk for me. Which one stunk for you? Um, you know, all the backstage crew, all the, the, the coaches and agents, mm-hmm. I felt like those are going to be lifers. Mm-hmm. I felt like a person like a Fit Finley was always going to be a lifer there. Yeah. Um, uh, Billy Kidman was always going to be a lifer. Fucking Mike Rotunda. I thought my man IRS was going to be a yeah. fucking um, lifer there. Just, um, sorry for cutting you off. That just shows there's no loyalty because Mike Rotunda, oh, yeah. I saw that, I was like, really? That's lifer. But you know, it's funny. You don't get rid of a Pat Patterson because that's your fucking lackey, like from the James Cornette, the fucking minions. I mean, Vince Russo. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something, bro. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love that shit. Let me tell you that all these people that got let go, I saw the writing on the wall about four to five. I invented the cut, okay? <laughs> The, no one got cut besides me because I'm from New York. We call it Buck 50s. Really that, honestly, that's the, probably the greatest Vince Russo imitation I've ever heard, bro. Like, that, that's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> but, um, yeah, continue. The, the one that really got me the most was Kurt Angle because I thought he was going to be a lifer well. no matter what, whether it was an agent, whether it was a, yeah. a coach, a trainer, someone that could be impeccable, his knowledge for NXT yeah. and the new talent coming out of there. I thought he was gonna be a lifer for sure. I don't know what the fuck happened there. I, honestly, yeah, I, I, I don't know what happened. You bring him back, then you give him a horrible stint, then just to let him go again, it's, it's kind of fucking stupid. Definitely, he had lifer written all over. I can see him going back to TNA, maybe. You know, saying "fuck it," I'll just write out over here and impart my knowledge on TN, uh, TNA, yeah, on Impact. So, um, but that one kind of sucked. How do you feel about Drake Maverick? Because he really didn't do much at all since he got back. That one's just like, man. I think he goes or EC3 goes. I think they're I know they're best friends outside the ring. Yeah. So I, I believe they'll have chemistry wherever they go together. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see them going back to impact to give them yeah. some much needed like star power again. Mm-hmm. Or even just testing the waters out there. I would love to see, you know, what they can do for like a ROH, for example. Yeah. I think ROH right now has everything to gain with all these talent. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're putting on shows or they're like hot or anything like that, but they're in need of certain talent to make them I guess feel like a fourth player or at least a third player again. Definitely. So a person like like an EC3 would be great in ROH. A person like let's say looking down a list right here, even fucking um Primo and Epico going over there to ROH just to have fun and wrestle, they would do phenomenal over there. They would do good. Um, I agree with you. There's one name that I haven't asked you about, and we know he's in his forties. We know you know that's not prime age for wrestlers, of course. You know, but um. How do you feel about Eric Young? That one kind of stung a little bit as well because, you know, Eric Young, he's one of my favorite talents, you know, watching him from TNA and everything and things of that. So just where we thought he was going to have a great run with Sanity and that just fizzled. And it's kind of like, I feel like he has the biggest twilight right now, like out of everybody, maybe, you know, like, how do you feel about that? I think Eric Young is going to land perfectly on his feet with no problem. I think the worst decision he did was go to WWE because he is a person that, number one, is an entrepreneur. Not only was he you know, doing his wrestling thing and impact and whatnot and really was a company man at that time when he was there. Um, it just sucks that he was in the crosshairs with the Daniel Bryan thing that was happening because yeah. they were like mirroring each other almost. Mm-hmm. But he's a person that 
you know, himself went out to like the Discovery Channel and made his own show over there, and you know, a wilderness show, a hunting show, a traveling show. He's a person that like is very much a, a go-getter, and I really see that now that he has the strings off, he can really do just about anything. He could dabble in any, anything. I think the WWE is the only thing that was holding him back. I agree. I agree. That was one of the most terrible moves for him. Like I feel that it was another terrible move for EC3. A few talents, so uh, Bobby Roode. You know, now that we're talking about like the TNA impact characters um i feel that was just terrible for a few people but you know i'll I'll say this not to cut you off Mm -hmm. i i will say that i did see the right on the wall about december as far as cuts were happening Mm -hmm. i know every year we do have our annual cuts that do happen in wwe and it is expected especially in the the day and age where the wwe has hoarded so many so much talent Mm -hmm. whether it's from new japan whether it's from um ROH or the Indies or whatnot, they've tried their best to steal as much talent as possible and not use them whatsoever or misuse them in a way. So I definitely see people like a Leo Rush, honestly, that was going to be on the cutting board. Oh, yeah, definitely. He already had some heat anyway, so he definitely was on the cutting board. I think McMahon was just looking for an excuse to cut him, you know, because Leo Rush always had a little bit of heat in WWE. So um, I saw that one coming. Um, and I don't know, bro. This just really depletes the te- the, the roster because of what you said. Like he was always known for monopolizing. I'm gonna grab your talent and I'm not gonna use him. You know what I'm saying? So um, it, it's hurtful for him as well. It's, we understand it's all that's going on around the world because of the pandemic. We see it in sports. We see it everywhere. But um, I don't know. It's just it just kind of sucks for these cuts, man. So. If you are an employee for the WWE, let's just play um, your matchmaker right now. You're Vince McMahon away, or you're just the promoter in a way. And you let go all these stars, right? Um, now you have your set card deck. Mm. At this moment in time, do you feel like this causes more of a hunger for your for your cast of characters? Or do you think that's more, it's more of low morale? Well, I think it's a mixture of both because it shows that, one, you don't care about the talent. So it's like, when could I be on the chopping board next? You know, so maybe I won't right. give it that much emphasis. But um, um, and we know that there is a lot of favoritism in WWE. So we know that these guys can be hungry. You get what I'm saying? So you're asking me if the talent is hungrier? That's what it was? Or... um. Yeah, if the town's hungrier, are 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 your is your roster hungry now that there's less people involved? And now you have more of an opportunity, okay. or is it more of that you know we have loyalty to our friends, so we're just gonna yeah, kind of half-ass it? Definitely will bring. Uh, it'll have hunger for certain athletes that are still on the roster. And me, if I was McMahon right now, hmm, I'm gonna play God. I want people to come to me right now and say, you know, let me be that next star. Let me fill those shoes that. Rusev never filled, or let me fill that spot that Leo Rush never filled, you know, if I'm a cruiserweight. You know, now there's a lot of cruiserweights that can shine. You know, Tony Nese could step up. You get what I'm saying? Which I think he's phenomenal. Um, so it does create both. I think it creates the hunger aspect, and then it also kind of creates the demoralized aspect where it's like, damn, I could be next. You get what I'm saying? So it's a 50-50 in that locker room right now. What do you feel? Um, I think it makes a lot more yeah, it's gonna have, it's, it's gonna bring more competition. It's gonna bring more hunger, I believe. I think now when you have, I wouldn't say you have strong locker room leaders, but I believe you have locker room leaders that will carry the show and say, "Listen, guys, let's." I know this was a hard day. I know this is a crazy fucking experience. Our friends are not here anymore, yeah. but now listen, we get to work together. You, Ali, 
you get to work with fucking Seth Rollins. Let's do this. You know, Apollo Crews, I don't know how the fuck you're still here, but now you get to work with <laughs> you get to work with I don't know, Braun Strowman. Oh, Go for it. <laughs> no, no lie. I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound so fucked up right now, but yo, like, cause it's some real life shit, but it's true. How the fuck? You know what I think saved him? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was that match that he had with Alistair last fucking week, bro. Yeah. Cause that was a phenomenal match. And I'm like, but I, matter of fact, I was going to ask you, how do you feel watching that match? How do you feel about Apollo Crews? Cause I know you've been following him around since the Indies, since he was like the Mandingo warrior and shit. <laughs> like, yes. My man, Uha nation, bro. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. You know, it, here's the thing, man. And I, I'll always tout this yeah. till, till day one. Um, you are not a superstar because you can talk and wrestle at the same time. You're a superstar on your own goddamn ability. And just because a person like a Ricochet can't cut a five-star promo doesn't mean he's a fucking bad wrestler and you should treat him that way all altogether. Look at Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is not the fucking best promo cutter in the world. But he's charismatic mm-hmm. and he draws you in. Jeff Hardy is a piss fucking poor promo but he's very charismatic it's the same thing with apollo Crews. Mm-hmm. he's a great wrestler for his size and stature the things that he does the gorilla press press slams to the moonsaults to the power bombs that he does he's very charismatic as well too in his own right you just have to push him that way not everybody can talk no, I, okay it, it, that, that's i agree it with is. you a thousand percent not everybody can talk but i think this is something that goes to kind of the, the foundation, the cornerstone of wrestling, it has always been built if you're a talker. You get what I'm saying? Because I, I feel yeah. that that's what they push because we've, we've seen the greats. You know, we've seen the macho mass. I mean, I'm not saying that they didn't wrestle their ass off because they're phenomenal, but I'm just saying with like the speaking-wise. We've seen the macho man. We've seen um, Ric Flair, all talkers. And then, like you said, I mean, I feel like, yeah, you got to have both or one. But um, I think it's just something because look at Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious couldn't fucking cut a promo for shit. But, you know, he, was, he had a, yeah, he had a I, crazy I, demeanor. But I just feel like not trying to take away nothing from what you're saying because I agree with you a thousand percent. I just feel like yeah, McMahon or whatever it is, the wrestling world has been built. You've got to be a talker. And if you're not, they're not going to be you or people or fans or whatever. Yeah. I think they like to, to, to push that agenda as much as possible, but reality kind of sits in because you have a person like fucking Brock Lesnar who doesn't even fucking say a word, but you have a manager with him, yet you're, you fran upon managers for the last 10 years. Like, managers are not a thing. You shouldn't have a mouthpiece whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Fucking how great would it have been if fucking um, uh, Kenta, um, um, Hideo Itami yeah. had a mouthpiece? How great would it have been if Shinsuke had a mouthpiece at the time as well, too? Like great, bro. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, they frown on um managers and mouthpiece but they are essential for certain wrestlers because look at brock lesnar i think brock lesnar hasn't even said a word in like a fucking year bro like <laughs> and you cannot tell me yes i i understand we live in a day and age where we're in the 80s uh you had your hulk hogan the macho mans and the pipers but no one in this earth can tell me that fucking andre the giant was a fucking impeccable fucking promo okay <laughs> All right, no one can tell me as much as I love the Ultimate Warrior that you could sit through one of his promos and not fucking laugh or scratch your head. So it's like, yes, I understand. Like you have to have in some aspects some kind of whole package, but I think it's blinded these days. I think right now in, in this generation of wrestling, it's it's like frowned upon if you're a good wrestler. That's what I feel, no, it bro. Is. I agree with you a thousand percent because um, look at like a Ricochet. 
not the best soccer, great in ring. And it just goes backwards with, with what you're saying. Look at Roman Reigns. He can't talk for shit. He's really not that good of a wrestler, but he's getting pushed because he has the big demeanor. You know what I'm saying? Look at Daniel Bryan. I've always been hot and cold with Daniel Bryan as well, but he is a great in-ring talent, you know? I mean, he does cut some good promos, but it just goes hand with what I was going to say that basically if it's not up to Vince's liking or what he wants, he's not going to push it because there was a time where every fan wanted Daniel Bryan with the strap, and he did not want to give it to them. You know what I'm saying? So, um Let's be straight up of Apollo Crews right now. Uh, I'll be the first one to say it. Yeah. He's black. That's what it is. He's black. Straight up. Straight up. Like a thousand percent. Like Vince McMahon barely pushes had, any minority characters. Unless you're Samoan, you ain't getting I had a feeling money. you were going to say that. That's why I started laughing because I was like, I know where he's coming in. This Just to agree with you and piggyback, it's true. If you're a minority, you're not getting pushed unless – you're willing to be that ghetto stero- uh, stereotypical minority. Because look at the Street Profit, you know? Look at, um, uh, what was that, Crime Time? They really didn't get nowhere, but they got their push because they were that stereotypical minority. So unless you're willing to degrade yeah, yourself, but, you know. But then push comes to shove, though. It's like how, how it's like, all right, is there a cap of that? You know what I mean? So when we say a cap, when yeah. I say a cap, I say like, all right, like, Fucking uh, my man Robert Downey Jr. You don't go full retarded, right? <laughs> so like, same thing. Our truth, our truth has been the same fucking character like for the past ten years. It's like he's been semi dignity, and like, yes, he's been a company man. You know, he's been a person. You, you, you tell him what to do, he's yeah. gonna do it. But has that really offered any kind of real success for him besides, you know, getting paid a couple of mills? That's cool. And if you got a family, rock yeah. and roll. You, you need to take care of your family no matter what. But creatively, what the fuck are you doing? It's like like you're making a mockery of who you are. You're a dancing, shucking, jiving <laughs> guy. Uh minority. That's all yeah. you are. The the shucking guy, like crime tie, shucking and jiving. And Junkyard dog, shucking, shucking and, and jiving. And it's just even more degrading because he's also playing it also, it's, it's more degrading because it's just showing his opinions of minority where it just shows that basically you guys have no fucking knowledge. You guys are uh, how I'm trying to say the word. I can't say, uh, damn, I have it in Spanish, but I can't say it in English. But you're dumb, basically, you know, like you have no intelligence because yeah. he goes out. There, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. 24 seven world champion. My bad. Like, really, bro? Like you're just really. And, and then you as a brother, you should feel that shit like, yo, bro. Nah, I, I mean, I understand. Like you said, maybe he has family. You know, maybe he has kids, of course, you know, but damn, you as a brother, especially like, bro, come on. Nah, I'm not doing this. I'm not degrading myself. And I feel Oscar going down that same route, bro. And I feel that. that yeah, straight. straight and I up. see her going down that same route. And I feel that that's why Nakamura is fucking pissed as hell, because I guarantee you McMahon wants a stupid Nakamura like talking shit like that, like Oscar. And I know he's not with it. And I feel you. That's why Nakamura is pissed as hell. I see Oscar going. Oh, yeah. No, and you look at people like New Day as well, too. Like, that's probably the arguably the most successful uh, minority group to ever grace any professional wrestling landscape right now, besides mm-hmm. the nation. And, you know, what they're doing is basically shucking and jiving, but they're doing it in their own way to be successful. Yeah. And all credit to them. They're making millions of dollars off of merchandise and uh, personal IPs and selling their own brand. And, you know, they're trying to get people to their, you know, their YouTube channel so they can speak their mind yeah. the way they want to, which is great and all. But once again, the only way that Vince sees you is if you're shucking and jiving. And it's terrible. Fucking No Way Jose, shucking and jiving yeah. Dominican. Fucking uh, uh, Carlito, Carlito, you know, a fucking, you know, 
guy from Puerto Rico eat apples and spit at you. Like he has no fucking like, like I guess he he can't put you his know. finger on the pulse. Yeah, because he, he's a fucking racist prick. That's why. You know who I feel is his baby? I feel that his baby is Austin Theory, bro. I don't know if it's I don't know oh, if it's Triple H's baby because we know Triple H and him have uh people that are blessed by their little mantle. But I feel that Austin Theory, McMahon is in love with him, bro. I, I I see it. I see it, and that's why I feel like they paired him up with Selena just so he could get that nice little rub. Because I feel that Austin Theory, in my opinion, he's not the best talker. He has no charisma. You know, he probably has as much personality as the fucking wall. <laughs> so like, but, yeah, I don't know. Man. <laughs> It's tough because, like, you want to root for certain characters. You want to root for somebody to be successful in in, in any kind of wrestling landscape yeah. or whatnot. But it's really tough to see, you know, who sticks around and how they're sticking around as well, too. Like, I'm all for, like, seeing this little um, stable of Austin Theory and Andrade and um, Angel Garza. I think it could do big things. I, I like to see Angel and, and Andrade together. Yeah. It just works for me. Uh-huh. Um, but... I could definitely see them stupiding it up, especially when it comes to Angel. I think they're they're at a peak right now where the whole cutesy kissing because the chick that was doing the whole photography on Monday, that's actually his fiance. Oh, that's actually his fiance. So what was that whole what was that yeah, whole so, angle? Sorry to cut you off with Charlie, because we saw him just like looking at Charlie like she was fucking a piece of meat one. They're trying to do the whole ladies' man oh, thing. But okay. I guarantee you, give this about six more months, yeah. bro. It's going to turn stupid for him. They're going to make him like a joke. They're going to make him like Latino heat mm. light. Like not even the good parts about Latino heat. The horrible <laughs> parts about you know Latino heat. Um, and the same thing with Andrade. Like they're, they're doing their best for him to speak English. And it's okay. But you definitely see that there's a struggle there. There's a disconnect there. Yeah. So... We know that yeah. fuck it. You know he speaks Spanish. Zelina's there to fucking translate. He said, "Fuck yeah, you, bro." That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like and, straight up. And it kind of sucks because I, if you ask me, I feel that uh, Andrade and Garza could be probably one of the hottest tag teams right now if played cor- correctly, portrayed correctly, and take. I, I I thought about it. Take all the good stuff that Eddie Guerrero had, the Latino Heat character. Throw it on them. You know, they have their own personality and charisma. Sprinkle that a little bit on them, bro. Phenomenal tag team because I'm sold on them. I love them. But like you said, somewhere it will go down left turn and they'll probably be slinging fucking churros in the crowd or some shit. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be Mexicans all over again. <laughs> yeah, no, boy. I feel the only person I, I, I like, I like the stable, but I feel that the only person that's going to get the rub out of there at the rub is Austin Theory. I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I see oh, that. Okay, so you agree. I was going to ask you, but yeah, you agree. That's all I see. I see that he's the one that's going to get the rub. I feel that that's why um, maybe they had that, that, that match with Street Profits because I saw a little bit more personality on him on Raw that I did in WrestleMania. I was going to ask you about that. Like, I saw him that maybe somebody went backstage and told him, like, hey, son, you got called up to the biggest stage and you really didn't do much. You know, you didn't capitalize. Show me that you want it. And I saw that on Raw that he had a little bit more charisma, sparks him. He was even someone need to smack the shit out of him. That's what it was, probably like, like whack, stop the yeah, shit. That's what it was because I saw him as soon as I saw him out the gate from the backstage. I was like, okay, somebody said something to this guy because it's not the same Austin Theory he's from WrestleMania, but he's. The road, I know what it was. <laughs> People gets fired on mm. Wednesday. <laughs> bring your mm-hmm. A game. Yeah, that's what it probably was, bro. Because, but it, it it sucks with with Garza and this guy, man. Hopefully, I don't know. We'll see nothing but good for them. 
Here, here's what scares me, man. Uh, to kind of bring it back to minorities and bring it back to like even Apollo Cruz and Garza, whatnot. You look at the landscape on the main roster and how all these characters are just trying their best to get over, at least get some TV time. And what scares me is that there's a wealth of talent in NXT that their color or their race or their heritage or their gender does not define who they are as an in-ring competitor or as, let's say, an actor, if you want to put it in a WWE's terms, no. a performer. None of that defines them. Velveteen Dream, his color, his his his, his heritage, whatever you want to say, his, his, his time in the ring or out the ring, him being a homegrown WWE yeah. product does not define who he is his character is totally an extension of himself his personality out there once he gets to the main roster they are going to ruin him they're going to rape his character like there's no other they're going to use his character and then they're going to rape it like you said we've seen the finn balor get misused that's why he's back down at nxt um which is good for him but we saw the demon get misused and then not only is velveteen dream a androgynous sexual character we're going to see McMahon make him say stupid shit because we already know how he feels about minorities. So he's not going to give a fuck. It's even more, bro. You saw how he disrespected Goldust. But, I mean, Goldust was all for it, you know, after a while because it boosted his career. But, like, imagine what he'll do to Velveteen Dream being a brother, bro. You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to know. Same thing with Keith Lee, man. Keith Lee, nothing about Keith Lee screams I'm a giant black guy. You know what I mean? But you put him in WWE, I guarantee you they're going to use that. Like, you know, they're going to make him like a sexual chocolate. They're going to make him like a Mark Henry. Straight up. I can see that, bro. And as much as, like, it made us chuckle back in the day, like, yeah, Mark Henry, you know, he wasn't the best wrestler, especially back then. So, you know, he had to have that comedy segment. But Keith Lee is a fucking phenomenal athlete. He is a freak athlete. And... What he's doing at NXT is honestly saving NXT. He is just the perfect champion. He's the guy you want to put on your poster board and say, yes, we are the next generation of wrestlers out there. doesn't matter your size. It doesn't matter your height. It doesn't matter what you do. We could do it all. He's that person right there that you could push. Once he gets to the main roster, bro, he's just going to be doing fucking to do love little knee <laughs> swing and call it a day. I can see his big ass doing that shit, bro. Like, Keith Lee. Talk about basket my glory, knee shuffle. <laughs> yeah, bro. Hey, I get the bro. I can, I will cry if I see that shit. We have Bobby Lashley. Look at that. Another brother degrading himself, bending over, bro. Moon in the crowd. Like, I can see Keith Lee doing that knee shuffle. Oh, yeah. bro. Like, um, he was in a Mandingo <laughs> fucking um fucking storyline this whole time. The the, the 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 white woman wants the big chocolate black guy instead of her husband. Like that screams Vince McMahon right there, man. Like it's just and he's you know what. Bobby too. Like I think he's such a phenomenal athlete. I think he has so much more to give to the world of wrestling and fucking even MMA to some degree as well too. And he's just so shackled right now. What he's doing, like the potential of this guy. This guy is not young. He's not a spring chicken. He's like pushing like forty five already. Like he's I agree, old too. man. And he's such a great talent. Real quick, random. Is he still undefeated in MMA or no? Okay, no, I just wanted to make sure because I have, you know, he hasn't been in the octagon in a minute. But, yeah, no, he's a great talent, and and it sucks because somebody that we grew up on, you know, with the matches that he had with Umaga and stuff like that. So it's it kind of sucks because – and just to get back to just how kind of McMahon degrades everybody in this God complex because we know that whole angle, like you said, wasn't him 
especially that segment where Lana went out there. Oh, you're a woman. Go out there and talk about sex. Oh, we have the best sex life ever. Like, really, bro? Like, that? Th- that's what I want to hear? Like, come on, bro. Like, I mean, um, I'm all for the sex. But, like, I want to hear that on the roll every day, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I don't know, bro. I, um, I totally had a question about something. But, yeah, continue, though. If I remember, I'll ask the, the question. Nope. Just look at the landscape of what we're going to be looking at in the next couple of months and how we have the COVID-19 epidemic happening and how it's changing everything in the world. So you're looking at professional wrestling and it's still going on some aspect. Uh, are you getting tired of the empty arena aspect? Or would you have rather seen WWE maybe go a different direction possibly? Let's say, okay, they can't not show anything. They can't not put out a product. But... Would, do you think at this moment in time they would have maybe strayed away from the empty arena and maybe try to do more of like a television lucha on the ground aspect of things? Well, now that you say that, that's interesting. We see that aspect coming about since WrestleMania because then we saw it and we saw it yeah. in NXT with Gargano and Ciampa. So I see that they're trying to use that aspect now that they have empty arenas, which is smart, which is good. It makes it more evolving. It gives you dramatic angles. It makes you feel like you're there. You get what I'm saying? So that's smart on them where I feel that whoever threw that idea at them is a fucking genius and saved you because your empty arena shows fucking suck them, them. I'm not saying empty arena shows are bad because I enjoy them. I, I may be the only one that enjoys them, but WWE's in particular, they suck. I don't know what it is, but they have not gotten down what an empty arena show is as AEW. You know? Um, yeah, go ahead. I, I wanted to ask you since you brought up the Trump on Gargano. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a little bit of NXT. Um, I want to leave the ladies f- for last because I enjoyed that. But I, I want to get your opinions on the Gargano and Trump you know, match because I think I have conflicting uh, feelings I have for conflicting it. feelings for it as well. I mean, I don't know if it's the same ones you have. Um, first of all, I've been immersed in this rivalry since day one because, you know me, I'm an NXT fucking whore. So I saw the whole turn, everything. From day one, I've seen this rivalry. So for it to culminate, I don't want to say culminate. I'm going to throw that in uh, quotation marks. Um, for it to go how it went down with that Lucha Underground style, it felt more personal and real. I enjoyed it. I don't know about you, but I know our friend Jeremy said, all I heard was canvas. So it, was, it annoyed the shit out of me. I changed the channel. But yeah, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. It felt personal. It felt close. What I didn't enjoy, it was the ending, how it went down. You know, like it, it kind of robbed the fans of what it was supposed to be. You know, this is the culmination of Gargano and Ciampa, the most fierce rivalry in NXT, probably in WWE right now, than to get ended by a fucking low blow. It's like, no, it, this can't end like this. And I felt like it robbed a little bit, or maybe that's how I feel about it, that that's where it conflicts. I'm like, okay, so this is not the end for sure because it, it didn't end clean. Are you going to do something on the main roster for them? But I, I fucking enjoyed it. Five stars. No, matter of fact, we do the three turnbuckle tap here. Three turnbuckle taps from me, brother. Like, how did you feel about it? And what are your conflicting issues? I'm completely opposite really? on it, man. Um, well, more so, oh. yeah. See, yeah. here's the thing. I didn't think the match was bad, and I like the whole film mm-hmm. aspect of it. I think mm-hmm. that was fun. Um, uh, definitely did not like the ending. Yeah. I agree with you on that part right there. I feel like that this was more of a showcase of course, for yeah. than anything else. I think this was like a yeah. heel yeah. turn for yeah. Candice. Mm-hmm. 
but even with that, it's still like a fucking bait and switch because what you're doing the whole kick Johnny in the nuts first and then kick Tommaso afterwards. Like it mm-hmm. was stupid. And for anybody who's watched that MMA match or it has fucking got kicked in the nuts, no matter if you're wearing a cup or not, that shit fucking oh, yeah. hurts as hell. So for you to be like, oh yeah, look what I'm wearing, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like that's I, what she gave him in the beginning because I was trying to see what the fuck she gave him in the beginning and it was a cup. But definitely horrible ending. And like you said, sorry for cutting you off. I'll let you get back to it. It was this. It, it sucked because it took away from what it was for me, the culmination. And then, like you said, it was just more to showcase, okay, this is the Candace LeRae heel turn, which I feel it may not even do her good, bro. You know, because there's a face. I feel that she was kind of no. meh. Now it's a heel. Can't Come on, Candace. Come on, Pixie. You don't got no bad fucking bone in you. Like, so. Exactly. It's not going to work. It's only going to last maybe for a year because they're going to try to push it as much as possible. But it was just like the Gargano heel turn. Like It was good for a while, but people like cheering Gargano. Like, yeah. When you get a baby face, bro, you get yeah. a baby face. Like Straight up. Like Why fuck it up? When you have a, a pure baby, like white face, like I got this, and people are on my back. Exactly. Don't and it. that's what Johnny Gargano was to NXT, and his dancing partner was the Black Heart Tommaso Ciampa. The heel turn was terrible because even to me, I didn't get invested in the heel turn because I, I know who you are. Uh, come out with the Iron Man suit, Johnny Wrestling. You get what I'm saying? The little the, the little face emoji paper. Like that's that's who exactly. you are to me. And it, it, it was terrible. Um, before you carry on with um your opinions on it. Um, so do you feel that this Candice LeRae mm-hmm. heel turn, do you feel that, you know, since Johnny Gargano's heel, do you see Killer Cross and Scarlet coming in as face and matching up against them? Uh, not against okay. Gargano, more for Tommaso. Because okay. uh, you were even showing in, in the um, in the little segment there as well, too. You got to see them in the mm-hmm. car as well, too. So they're involved some way, somehow. And I think Tommaso and Kill Cross would be a yes. great angle. Um, I I kind of feel bad that this is going to be like another loss, like a major loss for Tommaso. I think he deserves De- better than that. Um, but I will say this. What really turned me off about this is the same thing that turned me off about the Edge and Orton one from WrestleMania. I feel that the whole entire match was fabricate, fabricated mm. emotion. It was it was emotion just to put into a match. Whereas when you look at a great match, one of the go-to matches that I love to watch, and if anybody likes to watch NXT or hasn't watched NXT, I kind of play this for them or I tell them yeah. to go scout this, is the first match between... Um, actually, no, no. It's uh, the second match between um, Johnny Gargano and um, Andrade mm-hmm. at TakeOver. Great match. And the emotion that Johnny Gargano puts out in that match is fantastic. It's real. It feels surreal. There's a part where he crashes into one of the the yeah. LEDs on the, on the corner, and he just looks like he's dead, but there's something still driving him to try to win. I felt like they were forcing that kind of feeling in this whole setting. Like everything had to be a cutscene. Everything had to be like emotion, but it wasn't real, wasn't authentic mm-hmm. whatsoever. It was like scripts. And yes, this is scripted wrestling. I know I'm maxing too no. much there, but at the same time, I feel it's... like when you get that raw emotion, it it, it, it comes to life. It no, makes the match better. And uh, just to uh, add on to what you said. We all know it's scripted, but it's kind of like we said in the last podcast, what are you doing to sell me on it? 
to show the realism and the emotion and the raw passion for me to get invested, you know? So definitely we know it's scripted, but how are you selling me on the fact that it's, you know, trying to be like, it's not, but I get what you're saying. And that was a great fucking match, but um, with Armas and Gargano, I was just like kind of invested in it because it was just also taking me down memory lane, which I appreciated. But then again, I don't, cause I felt like you said, it was kind of fabricated. It was like, I mean, I appreciate it, but then again, I don't. Yeah, but you want the climax. climax. You want that yeah, climax. I wanted to see something else, a little bit more different, because we saw flashes of um, their past matches where, uh, you know, Gargano, DDT, uh, Ciampa on the wood. Um, when he pulled out the ring mat, we saw that in the past when Shamaso did it to Gargano. And, you know, they had little flashes of, okay, you're taking me down memory lane, but well, show me this already. I've seen this, you know? So that was another little thing that was kind of, uh, but I was for it, though, you know, the fan in me. But, um, the emotion, I get what you're saying. I also felt maybe one thing thinking about it now, the length of the match was a little bit too long. Where I felt like, yep. okay, maybe this could have ended, you know, a little bit earlier. So that's another thing in there because it just reminded me about the Orton and Edge, the length. But um, so do you feel this is the end of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano? We won't see nothing on the main roster with them. That's it. Dig. I don't know, man. Like, I, I really don't know because there's no... It wasn't a climax. And even when I heard that this match was going to happen like months ago, yeah. I thought to myself and I was like, there's no climax to this because neither of them want to go to no, the they main don't. They want to stay in NXT for as long as they can. Uh, That's the beautiful thing about it. But yeah. you, can't, you can't separate them. Like, it's going to happen. So, like, even in my head, Ken, I was like, well, this is not going to ever be a finale unless one of them goes to, like, NXT UK, which that would have been okay, fun. how about... Loser leaves okay, NXT. How about real quick? Sorry for cutting you off. Two things I want to ask you. Uh, you the match did it need a gimmick? Play matchmaker. How would you have this gone with a gimmick or just a regular traditional NXT match one on one? Gimmick. Uh, three stages mm-hmm. of hell. Fucking five, definitely. So yeah, that would have been right. great. I would have, uh, I would have definitely appreciated that more, or maybe like a last man standing. That would have been dope. But um, okay, so that's pretty cool. So now, like you said, they're symbiotic, Batman and Joker. You know, things like that, where you can't separate one from the other. Within time, when this cools down, can you see? This is just me. Maybe a reunion of DIY and go wreck some havoc in NXT UK. No, okay. What? Yeah. I feel, me personally, I felt okay. like I got that when they did the whole D, um, they, the DIY tag yeah. team earlier. Okay. And I was like, all right, this is okay, but it doesn't really do anything for me because what I wanted to see was the evolution of the mm-hmm. I agree with you. And I feel like now we're taking 10 steps back with Ciampa. And honestly, straight up, I'll say this right here there's nothing left for Johnny, Gar- Johnny Gargano to do next team. What are you gonna have him do? Go for the NXT title again? No one wants that right now. Like he when he needs a hot program, like a like a him and Dijakovic. Yeah, I will see that if it's if it works. works so. Yeah, like he he definitely needs something. Like you said, the thing is that they don't want to leave because they know. I mean, they may love NXT, whatever it is, but they know they're not gonna do nothing on the main roster. You get what I'm saying? So they're trying to stay here as long as they can, and that's why I feel like Triple H has allowed this rivalry to go on for so long. But um, it's kind of like, where do we go from here for, for both of them? Because I feel like if anybody's getting a good rub, it'll be Gargano, which sucks because Ciampa is great, bro. Like, I remember um, some guy when NXT was doing the whole invasion for the main roster for um, Survivor Series. And when um, Ciampa went up against The Miz and stuff like that, and it's, 
I don't want to sit here and say that, but some of these fans don't know who these people are. And and I think Chopper's a great talent. He was like, oh, Chopper going up against the Miz. Oh, fuck out of here. Who are you, you piece of shit? Like, bro, like, I mean, it's just like, bro, I, it sucks because I think he can hang. That's what I'm trying to get. I think he can hang with the Miz, you know? I think he can hang with those players, but it kind of sucks. I think they, they all can hang, bro. Like, I, I really think that at this moment in time, especially with the climate that happened today of all the let-goes, this is a perfect opportunity to introduce a Johnny Gargano to, like, a SmackDown or a Raw mm-hmm. with Candice. Yeah, for some call-ups, you know, have her valet for him, then interject it in some intergender matches. That'll be fucking great. We're seeing Selena Vega, you know, start being more proactive in the ring, which I'm loving. Um, we just saw Bianca Belair get called up there's so many possibilities now and fun that McMahon could play with. But the thing is that he's so tunnel vision with his fucking mindset. So I don't know, but, um, just as a friendly reminder to people, uh, Dana Brooke is still employed. So <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about that? I was going to ask you about that. How do you feel about this makeshift tag team with Dana Brooke and Carmella? It works. It works. It works. Or is it just because why not? They don't have nothing to do with them. Okay. Pretty much. Why not? They have nothing to do with them. Like Carmella, like there's nothing that screams anything for her right now. I I, I think she's always been better as a heel. That's just my opinion. I think she did great work with R-Truth. I think that was the best I've ever seen R-Truth do anything was with Carmella with the dance Mm -hmm. breaks. I think if they were going to have any kind of like peak, it was that right there. I think um, also that they were really betting high last year on the whole mixed match challenge thing that was happening. Um, and had they like really, I don't know, I want to say like shot the rocket with that. I think we could have saw something fun as far like, like, like a mix max tag team championship. And I think that could have saved some careers. I think that could have helped people out. I agreed. Agreed. They had something special with it, you know, but it was just where I think that it didn't do good. Cause like you said, we all know wrestling is scripted, but it was just kind of too obvious. The winners, like, we didn't have – If it, it, I felt like it was like, okay, we know Charlotte and so-and-so is going to win. It didn't have that uh, surprise, like, okay, fuck, a dark horse team came out of nowhere. You get what I'm saying? It did have a little bit of weird uh, pairings that did good, like the Miz and Asuka, you know, but, like, just somebody, like, really weird, like a B player, like you said, maybe a Dana Brooke with fucking, I don't know, somebody, you know, something like that. You get what I'm saying? Dana Brooke and Ali. Ali Brooke. Yeah, something like that. So that's why I feel like. And then they could have definitely capitalized on that, made the titles, like you said. And they could even probably host a pay per view with the Cyber Little Sunday rules and shit like that, bro. So, you know, he just, um, I don't know, man. But speaking about tag, that was another thing I was going to ask you. How do you feel with we saw the Kabuki Warriors get the rematch against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross? I was watching the match, and to me, it felt repetitive. I mean, I've seen this already. Um, then we saw the makeshift tag team of Carmella and Dana Brooke. Um, I was just thinking about the whole women revolution, things of that nature, and where they implemented these women tag team titles. With the hype that the women revolution had, do you feel these titles lived up to it, or they have just became an aftermath shade, you know, like, okay, whatever, it's just women's title. I feel they haven't lived up to what the women revolution should have been. How do you feel about those titles? Nope, nope, nope. I think this was a demonstration of uh, try to put a secondary title mm-hmm. so women can get over. Uh, I think they weren't prepared whatsoever. I thought I think that they saw that they had maybe four teams that they could probably put together that would yeah. make sense. 
but at the end of the day, it wasn't strong enough. He didn't have a division mm-hmm. strong enough whatsoever to carry this these titles. I think it was the wrong decision to take the titles off of Sasha Banks and Bailey mm-hmm. at the time. Um, had they at least had those titles all the way to SummerSlam, because they just won that like yeah. the paper before the WrestleMania. Um, if they would at least had a decent run till like at least okay. SummerSlam or even Survivor Series, and you would have had a credible team beat them. Maybe like they're they the Kabuki Warriors would have beat them right there. I agree with you 1,000%, so I'm just going to throw another question at you. Do you feel by putting the straps on the Iconics, they devalued the title and what it was supposed to be? Um, <laughs> yes and no, because either way, I felt like the Iconics were going to get that, get those titles no matter what. Um, I think that could have been saved for one of those like, Superstar showdowns like the Australia show or the the Saudi shows. So now that they're wrestling, women are wrestling there. Um, but definitely like the Australia show, that would have been a, a great moment to see both the the Kiwis like get the titles right there. I don't think that they necessarily dumbed down the tag team titles because both of them can wrestle. It's just the characters they're portraying are just stupid mm-hmm. bitches straight up. That's that's their character. Like they're they're horrible comedy. Like they're yeah. intentionally horrible comedy and stuff like that. So they dumbed down the titles just a tad bit because of the characters they're portraying. Mm-hmm. But I I do feel like you could have done more with them as you chicken <laughs> shit champions. The thing that hurt it is that they weren't defending yeah. titles. They weren't mm-hmm. on TV. And if you're not going to make the title valuable or at least visible, then why yeah. are you going to care about? I agree. It? I agree. I feel that it got dumbed down because of the Iconics were just eye candy, you know, and it was like, it wasn't their time to win it. Let's just put it on them because, you know, we gave them boob jobs. So they're back with their fucking big old breasts and we're going to put the title on them. So I feel that they definitely, I'm going to have to go, definitely they fucking dumbed it down. I'm not trying to say that they can't wrestle, you know, because we've seen them in, in the NXT and they were great. But when they came up to the main roster and by putting it on them, I feel they fucking dumbed it down. Like you said, they should have left it on Charlotte and Bailey, build up credibility, have great matches. And then maybe a Kabuki warrior could have came and taken the title. I guarantee, I guarantee they were WWE or events at least was really banking on like, I, I guarantee, and maybe they still can. Maybe that's why the titles are still around. They definitely want the, the Bella twins to at least hold those titles once. Guaranteed. I think they were banking on that before they got pregnant, but I think that was like the end goal somewhere, somewhere down the line that Nikki, Nikki, oh, and Brie would have I titles. Would not disagree with you because I can actually see them having. They could have probably. They probably did want to give them the title and probably gave them the longest reigning title uh, run ever, and then just retired the Bellas with that. You know, since yeah. the Bellas are so synonymous and iconic to the Women Revolutions to WWE, so I'm sure somewhere down the line Vince was like, "Give it to the Bellas and let them reign the longest." You get what I'm saying? So I could definitely see that. Which sucks too, because like a lot of these teams, like I mean, I don't know, maybe for good reason too, because they save careers. Like I guarantee you, straight up, not to say she's a horrible wrestler, because I love the bitch, but Nikki Cross would have been in the cutting board if it wasn't for this. Oh, uh, Alexa hell Bliss yeah, she would have been on the cutting board, bro. If she didn't have that strap right now. If they would have not won them at Mania, bro, she would have been on that list right now, Nikki Cross. So, um, definitely. And talking about. Nikki Cross, how do you feel about Alexa Bliss? Because we know Alexa Bliss was top, top, top player, and now she fell into this tag team role. Do you think this is just cooling her down a little bit? She'll get another run, or do you feel like she's just going to be relegated to this from now on? 
I believe there's one more role mm. for Alexa Bliss, but I think she's smart enough to say that. that. And yeah. she's been dabbling. Like, she's been really dabbling, like, backstage. Like, last year, I know it was mm-hmm. more for injury purposes. But little things like hosting mm-hmm. WrestleMania or doing commentary work or backstage interviews and stuff like that. I, I, I definitely feel like they're grooming her for something a little bit bigger yes. backstage. And she's seeing it right now. She's still young. She still can, you know, go out there and have a great match. Um, and she can still be a great heel if she wants. I don't think she could be a great baby face, but oh, a great no, heel, definitely. But one more run for with that title, and then I could definitely see her maybe just switching GM, announcer, yeah. something that's safer and more for her longevity and more for job yeah, security, I guess. I, guess. So I can kind of see that, you know, because I was thinking about that. I was like, I think she has one more good run in her, and then maybe, like, a transition into, like... But straight up, she don't need it, though. She's yeah. done everything already. Like she's done, she's won all the titles. She's the first SmackDown. No, that's Becky. Excuse me. But she's the first person to hold the Raw and SmackDown women's title. Um, she's also she never held the NXT title. So yeah, maybe they could do something with that. Uh, NXT That'd be run fun. would be fun. Go back as a heel though, definitely, and that would be nice. A little NXT run, you know. Hey, maybe um, depending how long the Charlotte Flair reign goes, you know, and depending how long this tag, it, it won't happen no time soon. You know, but definitely go back down as a heel and stuff, you know. I hope they don't get it off the cam, though. I will miss those booty cheeks. <laughs> well, speaking about NXT and the women's division and the title, let's talk about that, that ladder match that happened there for the 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 briefcase that's not a money in the bank, but it, it is a shot for the women's title, so that was fun. Everything, bro. <laughs> they downplay everything. It's like it's not a money in the bag, but you're gonna get a title shot. Um, ah, mixed reviews. It was good, but then it has some spots that I really did not enjoy. And then maybe I felt like a few person. Uh, I mean, man, let me see. I'm trying to think. Um, maybe I feel that Chelsea Green shouldn't have been in there because she really didn't do nothing. So you know, she was just a lingerer. Um, then I felt like there was too much interference from um, what's her name, uh, Dakota Sky Muscle. Um, I keep forgetting her name. Rhea, 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 too yeah. much interference from her, so that kind of took away. But I feel that it had its bright moments with Io Shirai, where she was doing her thing. Tegan Knox, you know, um, when Tegan Knox was going up against Dakota Kai, that's a rivalry I enjoy. It had its moments. I enjoyed it. They did their thing for what it was worth. You know, they went out there and they were like, "All right, fuck it, we about to, you know, tear the house down." It was a good match. It was a good match. But those are my pet peeves. Like, I felt too much interference. And Chelsea Green is like, eh, what are you doing here? And I feel like there's one more competitor that I'm missing. Like, um, I know it was EO. Who? Candace, it wasn't Candace, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Candace. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Candace. Yeah. She really didn't do much either for me, you know? So um, could it have been another gimmick match besides the ladder? I feel like yes. But um, overall, it was a good match, though, especially when EO had that, that little plancha from the top of rope where she just flew. That was pretty fucking badass. And I am not mad whatsoever with the result because in past podcasts, I was saying it is prime to put the show on EO. So I was happy, you know? So um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Ooh, I'm losing yeah. just a tad bit right now. Cool. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. There we go. So... Mm-hmm. Me, I thought it was a little sloppy, um, especially for the competitors that were in there. But I was happy with EO winning. I think she deserves it. And I think this definitely rehabs mm-hmm. her from certain losses she had yeah. earlier this year and last year. Um, I'll say this. 
more and more of me coming to fan taking knocks. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's a, I, it's the choke slam spot. It really gets yeah, me over. As stupid as it is, it gets me over. Seeing uh, a small character build like her to do a choke slam, it's pretty fucking epic. I lo- I love the choke slam and. She, she has grown on me a little bit, and I think it's the, the fact that she has a great dancing partner like Dakota Kai. I feel they bring the best out of each other. Yeah, but continue though. Yeah, they do. They do. No, it reminds me of Hurricane. That's what <laughs> fucking <laughs> the Hurricane used to do a choke great. slam out of nowhere. <laughs> great shit, but you know, you know, great dancing partner, and I feel that she has a lot of. If she doesn't yes, get injured yes. again, because she is injury prone, so if she doesn't get injured, I think there's some. Some good, bright future, at least for her in NXT, uh, or even in NXT UK yeah. as well too, if they want to go I that mean, route. Uh, um, sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, like um, who's this champ um, in NXT UK? I forgot the name, but definitely send back Tegan Knox and have a great run over there, you know. So, um, and then of, of course, you know, send Dakota Kai after because all Dakota Kai is just right now to build up Reina. You get what I'm saying? So, but yeah, sorry for cutting you off. Stand out right now. I think what, what's happening with NXT is that it, it was mm. good and bad. So what happened was that I think it was too much in the women's division, at least too much of the Shayna Baszler show. And as much as we loved it, it really did get didn't really give a lot of women mm. enough time to breathe. And the the potential matches you could have had were kind of shut down by a person like a like a Shayna Baszler or even to agreed, some degree agreed. now with Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. So the people that you see now, you're like, oh, well, this mm-hmm. person got beaten like three months ago. I don't want to see her tile picture. Like I don't want to see Mia Yin in a tile yeah. tile picture because we saw her in the main yeah, event and it wasn't uh, that captivating. That I forgot Mia Yin. Um, no, I agree with you. Um, the fact that. Oh, it pisses me off. The fact that you build up Shayna Baszler to be this monster. And uh, I'm just going to stay on the NXT. But yeah, definitely she in NXT, she was also built up as a monster. And she did squash. I don't want to say she squashed a lot of people, but kind of buried them to a certain extent. I mean, you don't bury people if you know you injured them. Because there's a good, there's a way of burying people, but not burying them. You get what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, the it was too much of her show. And then when we see Rhea Ripley injected into it, it became about them. And then Rhea Ripley became that dominant force. And like you said, we saw a Candice LeRae lose. We saw Bianca Belair lose already. And we saw Dakota Kai lose multiple times. So it's like, eh, you know, but, um, I, and then now with Charlotte, I hear that it's just supposedly to be uh boosting for ratings. So, I mean, I don't know, which we will see some more of this talent get varied in my opinion. I, I, I don't know. man. Yeah. I still think uh, we, we, we can end the podcast on this note right here, too. When you look at our ratings as well, too, like, yes, I, I you cannot look at this AEW versus NXT as a ratings war, especially right now in this climate as we speak here. But even beforehand, here's the thing, and this is just my opinion on, on NXT. As much as I know I could flip the mm. other channel to watch NXT, I know in the back of my mind that I can go on the WWE Network and watch it. That's what I do. I watch AEW and then watch commercial-free NXT. (laughs) Yeah, straight up. So it's like, like why am I going to put myself through all the craziness on TV going back and forth when I know that I can watch something on demand? Now, yeah, people can say, yeah, you can record AEW and watch NXT, but to me, AEW feels special live, whereas NXT right now does not. The thing why NXT does not feel special and it's 
when McMahon decided to put it up against AEW, that's where you took the magic out of NXT when you decided to put it on uh, USA. In my opinion, it just became another one of your brands, you know. On NXT, uh, when NXT was on the network, it was like the best kept secret, you know. You got buzz. People, you were telling people about the network, like, oh, go to the network, watch um NXT. When it wasn't on cable, you know, you could do whatever the fuck you wanted. You get what I'm saying? But now that you're on cable, you have to kind of follow this little protocol and stuff like that. So it felt special when it wasn't used for competition and when it was on the network. And me, like I said, I love NXT, but now I prefer to watch AEW because, like you said, it's more magical live as opposed to NXT where I could just watch with no commercials. So. Uh, last thing I want to touch yeah. up real quick, um, we'll go real fast too. Recent call ups. Oh. So we got Bianca Belair. Ah, I love it. I'm all for that. I've like always it. been a Bianca Belair fan, so I'm all for that. I love it. How do you feel about it? Would like to see her yeah. get that NXT strap. Um, we'll I think see what she does on the main roster. I, I hope she proves everybody wrong, and she's like one of those breakout uh, fucking minority character. Yeah, I, I like I need her to, her be, her that to be that person. I, like you said, I agree with you. I need her to be that person. We need her to be that person. I think we will see that she has a great dancing partner. How do you feel about Selena Vega? I think Selena Vega is a perfect size for her and a great talent to showcase what Bianca Belair is. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. I, I'm I'm more scared of like once we start hitting like you know, Natalia's and we start hitting the fucking I don't know the, yeah, the mainstays. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't. I, I can't see a good match between her and Natalia. I'm sorry. Maybe it's just me just talking out the ass right now, thinking about it quick. But I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but hopefully she does her thing. So um, what was another call up? Uh, let's see. Uh, also, <laughs> yeah. That we already talked about him. Um, <laughs> Ain't, ain't, ain't no party like a forgotten party. Like Steve Cutler likes to say, you know what? I feel like this is just a, how can I say? And I don't know. We know the revival. I think the revival was on Raw. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think they were on Raw. That's how long I haven't seen them. But I feel this is a direct call up because of the revival being uh, sent off, you know? So I feel that this is why they got called up. Uh, I like the Forgotten Sons, but I feel they're going to go down the sanity path. Maybe uh uh Riker, Riker Striker, maybe he can do something, you know, since but Cutler and Wesley, they're definitely gonna disappear, uh Blake. Um so I don't know. How do you feel about it? Um I feel like they weren't yeah. given enough opportunity in X for some fucking they reason. <laughs> they, I didn't they get were. that and shit. Now to bring them up on the main roster on SmackDown, where I mean yeah, exactly. Well, call maybe up, they can make a little noise, but we know they're not going to get the strap. So um, it's it's just a little hi, come to the main roster, do your thing for a little bit, till I get rid of you and I get tired of you know you as a play toy. So um, what was another call? Um, I think I'm missing one more, but I forget who it is. Yeah, I'm thinking. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Now, mm-hmm. Here's one thing now. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, your perfect opinion, personal opinion. You sound, maybe not. You sound, you sound a little bit far. Bro, I didn't hear that last uh, part. Yeah, I thought you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, your perfect opinion. <laughs> Do you feel right now is prime, prime time to call up the hmm, undisputed era? Wow. First of all, to what brand? And because I don't see them doing anything on either brand, in my opinion. Um, Smackdown. They all would day. have to go to SmackDown because on Raw they would not do much. 
maybe they would just get by because of a little bit of who Adam Cole is and things of that nature. But is it prime to call the undisputed era up? Mm, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I don't see them doing much on the main roster, but maybe a little bit after the Forgotten Sons. Not right now, you know, because it would just take away from the Forgotten Sons. Maybe you could have the Forgotten Sons run havoc a little bit and then just have uh, Undisputed Era come back and be like, hey, you know, we're going to show you who the king of the tag team division is. But that, yeah, I think it will be a good time, but a little bit after the Forgotten Sons. What do you think? I think it could happen. I think, um, I, it will be a challenge because mm-hmm. they're all small. That's going to be the hard part right there. And maybe Raw might be a better place now that I'm thinking about it because you don't want to put Adam Cole next to Braun Strowman. Yeah, I forgot Braun Strowman. Um, who smokes the devil's lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Also, yo, when he opened up SmackDown, I was like, yo, Braun, you hit the devil's cheaper, bro? Like, what's going on? I I definitely feel like they they can bring something that's different for this whole, you know, uh, open arena atmosphere. I think the the charisma that that um, Kyle O'Reilly can do, like just dancing, air guitar and everywhere, like like a fool can really bring some positive, like, I guess, morale to wrestling right now. Adam Cole is is a great speaker as well, too. And I think they all they would all deliver in the ring at least. They will like, all at least get in the ring good wrestling. Even I feel that Roderick Strong is not the best talker, in my opinion. He's good, but not the best. But his in ring is phenomenal. You get what I'm saying? So I, I, think he's the best, <laughs> I think he's the best wrestler at all. I'm sorry, I'm a Roddy Strong fan from from day one. So yeah. like I think he's the best one at all. <laughs> yeah, Freaking Messiah all day. But you know, so I think people would enjoy seeing all those backbreakers going down on a raw roster. So. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I Rock would be better because I forgot Strowman, you know, Strowman Express. So, um, yeah, it would be a good call up, definitely. All right, man. Well, that kind of Ooh, yeah. the podcast for today, man. Do you want to uh, Ooh, give any kind of plugs or stuff? <laughs> wow, I feel like I always get put on. These plugs are my plugs are terrible, but yeah, so, um. Aside from where we do our thing here, talking about wrestling on the EWA podcast, you can catch Val Cisco and I do our things on the Kamora Chronicles, where it's all a we talk MMA news, we talk preview shows, pick shows, reactions, everything, just like we do here, but just the MMA world over there. And the Kamora Chronicles and this podcast both have pages on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can find me also doing my thing with Val Cisco on the Black Switch Gaming Podcast, where it's all about video game world. We talk um, video game news, reviews. Um, we just geek out over there, you know? So if you guys love video games, come and geek out with us over there with Val and I. My Twitter is LibraFeels underscore. You can hit me up there, and you can hit me up on the Instagram at underscore J Rance, you know? So that's where I'm at. Where are your plugs, bro? <laughs> Fantastic job. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That was magical. Okay. You you cut a better promo than Ricochet, okay? Fuck that shit. Uh, You guys can find me at Val Cisco on Instagram and, of course, on Twitter at uncanny underscore V. Uh, All the podcasts that uh, Jay mentioned right there, I'm also there with him co-hosting, and he's also with me on Pop Culture Fanatics, another podcast where we talk about everything pop culture, comic books, movies, TV shows, you name it, anime. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
let it go. Otis, universal champion I by the end of the year. What do you think? Especially now that he has Mandy Rose as his valet. I definitely could see it, bro. I'm sorry. I could see that happening. You got the eye candy. Plus, you got the comedy with Otis. And he's not that bad in ring, bro. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's he's pretty good. He's pretty good, bro. For a big dude, he moves. <laughs> it was... Well, better yeah, match in the WrestleMania, surprisingly. He, he could move well in there, you know. So, um, definitely, definitely, I could see a strong possibility for that, you know, depending where that title goes. Hey, I would fucking love to see a Strowman versus fucking Otis. That would be awesome. <laughs> Strowman. and Otis. That sounds, sounds like a bad <laughs> book. Yeah, like a bad Southern book or some shit. Strowman and Otis. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking Mice and Men Part 2. It sounds like a fucking play out of the Strowman. I got the Otis. <laughs> <laughs> Sucking out some tumbleweed. And I'm going to leave it like that, everybody. Yes, yes. Fan Podcast. We got some pent up aggression out 